personal note from me before we start. So Virginie is the one who took a chance on me and admitted me to INSEAD, despite the fact that I did not have a bachelor's degree or an undergraduate degree. Uh, and in fact, she you know, had a tremendous impact and changed my life forever. So I'm very grateful and I'm very happy to have this conversation with her today and hope you enjoy it. Happy listening. This episode is brought to you by MBA Without BS. Save four years and 200K. Get an MBA without a bachelor's degree. It sounds like science fiction, I know, but I'm living proof. Look up mbawobs.com for first access to my book, new articles, podcast episodes, tips, tricks, and more. mbawobs.com Welcome to MBA Without BS. In this episode, I am speaking with Virginie Fugua, who is leading admissions in INSEAD as the Global Director of Admissions and Financial Aid for the degree programs. Now, she's been evaluating candidates for over 15 years now. So trust me, if you are a candidate, you really, really want to pay close attention to what she's saying. This episode is very interesting for prospective applicants, especially those without a bachelor's degree, who seek to understand what INSEAD is looking for in a candidate and what sets the school apart. It's also interesting for current students looking for insight on how the school is navigating in these stormy, stormy waters, and for alumni who are looking for direction and information from INSEAD's hyper-connected faculty. And a short PS, if you're listening to this episode and the year is 2050, here is some valuable information. Uh, we recorded this in April 2020. Humanity was experiencing or is experiencing a pandemic called COVID-19 or coronavirus. Uh, if you've studied about this in school, it can either be a negative sign or a positive sign. So negative because it was very bad or positive because no future pandemic was worse. So hopefully latter rather than the former. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please rate, review, and share. Happy listening. So Virginie, welcome to podcast episode on MBA Without BS. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. It's our honor and our pleasure. Um, Virginie, we're going to start the way we start with every MBA candidate or podcast interviewee, and that is tell us your story in two minutes or under. So my story uh, starts actually in the Fontainebleau Forest, uh, believe it or not, uh, because I was born here um, in Fontainebleau. Um, and studied and, um, as in college and high school in, in the region and um, went from my studies to Boston um, and then lived for a number of years in Brazil and where is a convenient place to come back with your husband, your luggages and a baby. <laughs> That was my parents' place in Fontainebleau. So after this very international life uh, for a few years, I felt, oh, maybe INSEAD is a good place for me to work. I'm not a big fan of big, big, big cities. And um, so I decided to give it a try and got successful in, in getting a job at INSEAD. And I have been with INSEAD for the last 22 years now. Wow. <laughs> It's a... Uh... That shows you it's a good place because it's... Uh... It shows it's a good place for staff. It shows it's a good place in general. Um, INSEAD is very loyal. Uh, I have been myself very loyal to INSEAD and I think what keeps me every day and, and even more so now that we live this very uncertain time is, is that INSEAD is so... Um, Um, forward-looking and, and always challenging the statu quo and what else can we do? What else can we do differently? And I think that's it is really what, what kept me with all these years and is still keeping me, actually. That's, that's great to hear. And uh, I'm, I'm going to put a remark for our future listeners. Maybe you'll, you're listening to this in the years like 2050. 
or something. Uh, so you're not aware that as we're speaking, there's uh, the COVID-19 situation. So the coronavirus is uh, roaming free in the streets and we're all uh, locked in. So both of us are doing this conversation from our uh, respective homes, I think. Um, so let me ask you, Virginia, how, how is the school adjusting to this? The school has been, in my opinion, pretty quick in responding to this very um, challenging times. Um, and the, one of the reasons for that, I had, I had meetings all this week with uh, colleagues from other schools as well, because we all want to understand how is the industry um, going. And, um, and I could realize very quickly that uh, thanks to our campus in Singapore, um, we in France could have very early signs that this could be more serious than what Europe at the time um, could think. So the, uh, the fact that we had um, not seen Italy going on lockdown and so Singapore was a good way of, for us um, getting an understanding of the situation. Um, in addition, so very quickly, um, we've been able to move courses to Zoom. Um, and I think that's, again, thanks to the agility and the flexibility of the faculty, agreed to move content to um, online content and to be able to recreate the, the connections that happen in the classroom, because this is, this is what is an MBA, right? It's, it's how can you have those connections? How can you have those um, networking opportunities when you're um, talking to your computer? But in fact, it, it has happened. It, it, it's happening well. It's, um, it's, the feedback is, is overall very, very positive, both on the faculty side and on the student side. Um, so, and I, I found that really amazing, the type of initiatives that immediately um, the NCAD community has been able to, to put in place. And the next thing is, is, uh, is the, the alumni community who've volunteered to help, who have volunteered to um, contribute and share their, their experience. Um, some of the graduates from 2008, 2009 immediately said, look, this is a crisis. Um, at the time, we, we learned how to um, find a job in, in difficult situations. Um, we are happy to share our experience. So obviously, that was without the, the distancing. <laughs> um, but but the, the experiences, I think, were very valuable. So we've, I think NCAD is, at the moment, um, being very creative. Um, and and again, innovating. Right. I think it's um, what what you said relates in my head in military language to having very good intelligence, um, intelligence in terms of intel, strategy, and things. Like that. Yes, but also uh, having a foresight. So uh, having a good mm -hmm. human intelligence in place in various places around the world and kind of feeling the pulse. Because I remember when we spoke, it was, I think, Jan 28. It was like two months ago. You said, you know, we hear that in China, there is a, there is a rise of a black market in reused masks. So that's a strong signal, you know, that we need to prepare ourselves for something. Mm -hmm. So seem, things might seem less bad than what mm -hmm. they are actually, uh, than what they actually are. Mm -hmm. And um, I think having, first of all, having this, information and then acting on it is um it's it's a sign of strength yeah and i think the INSEAD model is is interesting in those times because we could thanks to our community based in china um we could we could grasp and understand that the situation was probably different than the ones the media in Europe were, were telling us or, or were rightly telling us. So it's, it's always good because we have such a large community based everywhere with um, people who can, who can share their, their experience. We were very, very quick in, in, in building a 
some sort of strategy and we came up with the crisis management team and Katie Montgomery, our um, associate dean degree programs and Urs Bayer, um, dean of degree program and Ilian Mihov, INSEAD dean have been instrumental. Peter Zemsky have been on their toes since the very, very beginning to, um, to hopefully um, limit the um, or, or at least control the situation, definitely. And you've, basically the campuses are closed right now, so people are, the students are taking the courses from their own homes, right? Correct, correct. So the um, um, French president, Mr. Macron, said we are at war, <laughs> it, to, to use your military uh, mm. <laughs> Um, and he, he clearly said we are at war so he closed down all schools for five weeks and that was um, three weeks ago um, and also declared that France should be locked down and um, Singapore authorities have um, gradually um, made decisions to um, progressively go to lockdown and they've just announced that now uh, Singapore is under lockdown as well. So the wow. campus is now closed. Uh, we kept the campus with minimal activity up until now, um, but now the Singapore campus is closed as well. Abu Dhabi is closed as well. Wow. I, I saw a video of, uh, of uh, Prime Minister Lee Sian Long in Singapore uh, and I recommend everybody who's listening to this podcast to to take a look at it because it's a it's a great lecture on how to manage risk and how to communicate with your um, you know with your citizens or with your colleagues. He just kind of he's very straightforward. He outlines the situation. He explains the risks. He says what he believes needs to happen, and he also says, you know what, please be disciplined. Otherwise, we will we will force this upon the population because we think there's a bigger risk here. And um, I was actually in New York when I saw this. And after that, I thought I was contemplating whether or not I should travel to Israel. And after that, I was like, okay, maybe I should travel to Israel because I would rather be there if this turns out into a six months quarantine than in New York. Um, so yeah, that was a short story out, out of topic, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, just nonetheless. So how do you keep that? How do you keep intact that class or classroom mentality while people are basically, as you said, talking to their computers? Hmm. Well, I think um, the students would be in a better position to answer this question probably. <sighs> however what i've heard from them um is that they have this sort of creativity like we we see at the moment with having um pictures of their meal or sharing a, a virtual um drink in the evening or um so there is this social moments that still happen um, and we do it with our families and um, all of us as well so I think this this way they could manage to keep that um, we we have also been able to use extensively so zoom has um, some great um, features that put people into breakout rooms for example um, oh. so so the, the 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 fact that they were still be, uh, five or six um and having this um kind of group conversations going on online uh was was seems to be one of the very very positive um, outcome of this, this, this uh, or at least facilitating and enabling them to still have these conversations and those um, moments that they're, they're, where they can really challenge their thinking um, and learn, learn from each other. Uh, because when you are a group of um, 70 or 80, yes, Zoom does not allow you to do that, but 
with uh, when you are in into smaller groups and i had a an interesting discussion with one of them who said well actually it forced me to make sure that everyone in the group had spoken okay. uh, because they were using the chat or they were using um, those features that zoom enables you to have where you see who is speaking um, and in fact in terms of time given to each other um, to express their idea, they felt it was fairer than in a lively discussion where everyone catches each other and then you want to jump into the discussion and you want to have your idea first before the other even open her or his mouth. And there they, they had to really look at the facial, facial expressions, they had to use the chatbot, and in fact, it turned out that they told me that they found it um, somehow fairer and, uh, and more um, benevolent and, and, and giving everyone the time to speak. That was interesting. Very. And it's almost scary, you know, how much more effective this is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I'm talking to, you know, friends from around the world and they're like, look, we're working harder than we did before. Yeah. You just sit for 10 or 12 or 14 hours and just have one call mm -hmm. after the other and mm -hmm. there are action items and then you, you know, mm -hmm. you make decisions and you move on them and you, it's, yeah. it's, it's quite. Uh, and when you're done with that, you want to check with your friends how they are and with your family. So you spend another <laughs> few hours checking in with your friends. So yeah, that's interesting. Right. And there's nobody to cook for you. So you do the cooking. <laughs> There's no commute time, so you, you have to work yeah. all the time. It's funny. Yeah. Mm. Um, so how does, how does INSEAD, being a global school, and maybe we'll touch on that in a second, um, how does that help or hurt in this, in this specific environment, in like the COVID-19, you know, people, students from all over the world, um, alumni in all over the world, three plus campuses what what are the some of the let's uh, let's call it uh, the advantages and disadvantages in this uh, situation so we touched on the um on the advantages i think because we were able to really grasp the measure and, and get an understanding early on um and um the, the other thing is that people from all over the world could help and there is this crowdfunding um, that is happening and, and the support in the in the community i'm sure you've heard of mm -hmm. it um, through the hoffman institute as well so we could see that people were mobilizing that network um, um, and supportive the the probably the disadvantage is and and that may be true for other business schools as well is is that part of an mba with the mba comes a number of trips abroad um, comes a number of company visits in different countries um, so this is this is obviously limiting a lot on the travel uh, maybe that's good for the planet um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm an optimistic person, so I tend to see the positive sides before <laughs> before the negative. So um, I heard that in Delhi you can now see the sky. <laughs> oh wow! And the sun. So I think it's um, it's 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 the it could be what people uh, will miss in an MBA when we can, because of this situation, is that it's likely to be the trouble being on the grounds. They will still be able to um, exchange with people from different cultures um, because the interactions via Zoom will allow that and with the faculty. Um, and the, the faculty have, have are still using examples from everywhere in the world. So the international aspect will still be there, but the trouble will be missing. I think, and it's even more true for a school like INSEAD, where it's so global. Yeah, 
And it's such a big part of the experience and the fun and uh, the expectation. Um, may maybe my last question about this topic, but maybe we'll have a few more down the line. Do you have a, a thought? I wouldn't call it a prediction, but a thought of maybe... I don't want to put a big question, like how would the education industry look after this, but do you see certain elements now that you believe will stay after the COVID-19 is gone or vice versa? Some things that are very abundant right now that will probably disappear as we shift out of this uh, situation? It may be a little bit too early to say as we are still in, in firefighting mode. Right. Um, <laughs> um, however, I'm convinced that the um, online learning, and I'm not saying fully online, um, but online learning is likely to to stay with us for um, and maybe in a different way than when we are doing at the moment, uh, but it's likely to stay. Um, we we had started before this this situation a few years ago in the faculty had started the hybrid teaching so mm -hmm. online content and then um, presence on campus um, I think that could be one way of going about it um, but I think INSEAD will be um, ready to think okay this is how we were doing business before and this is how we were operating um, and I'm sure the faculty will be able to to help companies when the situation comes back to to um, normal um, in thinking okay this is this is how we were operating now it's not how do we go back to the old model or how do we um, keep doing what we've been doing is is more what have we learned from this? How can we do differently? How can we um, uh, adjust and keep the best of what has happened? Um, I'm sure there will be amazing lectures. There is, there is, all, there are already some that have been delivered by INSEAD faculty last week and this week on navigating the uncertainty. Mm. Uh, so have seen good examples brought up in the classroom um, by some faculty, thanks to, to this situation. Yeah, I'm hoping to speak uh, with uh, Nassim Talib in one of these upcoming sessions, because I think his uh, notion of anti-fragility is such a, you know, it's such a strong, has such a strong presence right now. And I think to a degree, INSEAD is, is anti-fragile uh, to the extent that, you know, it kind of absorbs it and grows from it and works around it and is able to facilitate this crazy, unlikely event and, um, you know, contain it with a smile and with a, a move forward. Yeah, yeah. We are still young, a young school. Uh, we can adjust um we are used to be pioneers uh we used to be um piloting piloting things trying things um that's that's part and we are independent um so it's it's good as well it it could be dangerous but we are also very very independent so if we want to try something we can yeah absolutely and it's a there's a lot of power there and uh, a lot of power and a lot of responsibility, I think, in that leadership uh, position and role. And I think a lot of people are looking to INSEAD, definitely students and definitely alums, kind of seeing what the school would do because it's a guideline for what we believe maybe corporates or society would do as well. <laughs> Hopefully governments. Hopefully uh, governments. Yeah. Interesting times. Um, okay, so with that, uh, maybe we can move to a bit more uh, standard questions. So, sure. Uh, maybe we touched upon it already a bit, but um, what would you say is the school's philosophy? 
and mm -hmm. maybe mission statement. We, you can combine them or separate them. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, like, I like your word philosophy because I think our mission statement is likely to be a philosophy or even a way of life. Um, because um, probably you've seen it before, but it says we bring together people, cultures and ideas um, to develop responsible leaders who transform business and society. So it's, it summarizes what we just said. Then um, there are some key words here with together, um, people, society. So this, these are um, very, very, very relevant and even more so in those difficult times because um, I think in the normal, and it's perfectly understandable, the normal reaction of the countries is to close down the borders. Um, that's perfectly understandable. And same thing with companies. However, when it goes back to something else <laughs> um, after, when we are not back, but we go to something else after this, um, INSEAD will have, I believe that INSEAD will have an, a very important role to play um, in bringing back people together. Um, and, and I think in general, um, times like this is, is always a good time to um, upskill uh, and to keep learning um keep, keep being exposed to to um to different situations and to different um to different thinking models and so i think it's we definitely have very very important an important role to play in this global world post covid19 <laughs> <laughs> so with all this uh, learning and uh, responsibility how many hours uh, a day are you spending on Netflix? None, and I'm very, very honest with you. Maybe, maybe a day, I wouldn't be able to say, but um, probably very, very few. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm lucky enough to um, live in the countryside. So I go out. One thing that we all said with my, my team and colleagues is that it's sunny outside. So, so at least it's not raining and this gloomy weather that we can have in the winter. Yeah, 100%. And if, if you need to be anywhere, I think uh, the Fontainebleau area is not, uh, it's not a bad area to be in. True. In these times. Yeah. Uh, seeing some green. Um, I had a question about, you know, what sets NCAD apart from other uh, graduate management schools. But I think I won't ask it unless you want to answer it, because to me, it's it, kind of INSEAD is not, it's not busy with the comparing itself. Uh, and I say it as a, as a student, as an alum, um, mm -hmm. but, you know, it kind of has that sense of, you know, we do what we do, we try to do it best, and we try to be in a very responsible and transparent and straightforward about what we do. And yeah. it's, it's kind of, I never got this sense of like, oh, we're this, they're that kind of a thing. But I, I guess there are still differences, significant differences. True. To be very honest, I think, um, I believe that competition is good. Um, so there are good things that other schools do. And I also believe that um, it's not one school fits all. Um, right. You and I just exchange on the, on the values of INSEA and, and maybe that doesn't correspond to some of, of people listening to us now or, um, or to some um, prospective applicants. What I mean by that is that our values are clearly labeled. We, we are um, very transparent on our, our values and on our mission. 
Um, and we also have this global network. Now this is perfectly understandable if some people feel this is not exactly what I'm looking for. Um, and hence, I never compare. Probably like a mother would not compare to her of her children. Um, you never compare um, because this is this is not the the way. Um, I think it's not the constru constructive way. Right. Right. So if we're diving in a bit and looking at the, you know, the people themselves, the, the class themselves, you're seeing a lot of candidates. Um, what would you say makes a great candidate? <laughs> hmm. Um, in my opinion, a great candidate, not just in my opinion, but in, in Siad's <laughs> views, um, a great candidate um, is somebody who, someone who has a well-rounded type of personality and uh, who is willing to share her or his experience um, because students are expected to share their experience with the others in the classroom and outside the classroom um, as well in this, through the student uh, clubs. Um, for example, so the the richness of the the interactions will come from your contributions, from the contributions of um, your past contributions. So this is this is why very often in the application form we say we want to hear about your passion, we want to hear about your motivation, um, your your value set, your interest. Um, and, and again, this, this situation at the moment, what, what do you do when you're confined? Do you read books? Do you uh, watch Netflix? Um, do you prefer to visit virtual uh, museums or visit virtually museums? So it's, it's this sort of, of things that we want to we wanna hear and want to see. Um, and I think this is, this is what makes a great application. The, um, the other side of things is of this is that if if you say stay very superficial in in your application and you stay with very canned answer, then it's very likely that it's not going to be convincing us. Right. I think you mentioned in one of the previous calls that people kind of overthink uh, their application and they kind of try to aim to what you want to hear, and then it turns out like this everything turns up backwards true yeah so so how does a person re reflect her or his you know nature capabilities um character which is a word i love um in the application is it through more through stories is it more through you know, backgrounds, through achievements, through anecdotes? All of this. And one thing that I've heard quite frequently from, from, um, from students is that they had work with some notebook um, or, or iPhone <laughs> note where they would note down anything that was, was coming to mind um, in their day during your day or in their um, in their week activities um, be sport be um, uh, meeting someone and indeed um, the reflection of that how um, why was that important why did they decide to note, to note, the, note down this anecdote or um, this particular event in their notebook. What did they learn from this? Um, and then to to try to put that in um, in an essay. I like it. It's a that's actually a really cool tip. Um, I'm I'm doing a course, an online course right now because I have a few spare hours every day uh, about writing a book. And this is for the book I'm writing right now about the MBA without a. Uh, without BS, so MBA without a bachelor's. 
And one of the methods that the lecturer gives is really having this notebook and just every day kind of logging in something. Mm-hmm. You have obviously an endless amount of, of categories, but as long as you're consistent and you kind of do the same thing over and over and over again, you can really see a pattern or mm-hmm. you know an insight or whatever it is. So it's I, I like it very much. I think I'm uh, I'm gonna borrow that one from you. <laughs> Um, so what would you say is, are the main differences between, okay, maybe I should preface this. So in Siad, the MBA is a one-year MBA, give or take, between July and December. It is more compact. I'm talking from experience. It is very busy um, in a very good way. But obviously, as you mentioned before, there are other ways of, you know, of um, doing an MBA or teaching an MBA. So what's the main difference in your perspective between a one-year and a two-year MBA? It's indeed the number of um, hours or spare hours you have. Um, because we, we cover the same, the same content than a two-year MBA. The main difference is that for a two-year MBA, for example, you will have classes in the morning and not in the afternoon, where at INSEAD it's very likely that you will have both, and then in the evening or um, at lunchtime, a company presentation or a CIO talking to, um, to students and having lunch with them. So it's, it's, it's every, every hour, um, and that's the concept since the creation of, of INSEAD is well to really master intensity. Um, and I think this is, this is what recruiters are telling us. And the reason why um, they're coming to recruit at INSEAD is really because they know that they can find people who are mastering intensity, that are able to, um, to work um, under... Um, pressure or to work with um, tight timelines for some um, period of time, um, the adaptability, the flexibility that comes through this, um, the capacity to also make priorities, because indirectly this is what we teach, right? Uh, when you have a company presentation and you also have um, a lecture and you also have a tutorial and you also have uh, dinner at the pizzeria, what do you choose? You have to decide, you have to make a decision. Like in your professional context, you cannot have it all. You cannot invest in, in um, that um, product and at the same time give um, um, an extra um, uh, or buy an extra um, equipment and you have to make priorities um, in your in your company in, as well and make decisions so this is exactly the type of decision making that internet is, is teaching you indirectly as well i i love that phrase mastering intensity <laughs> and it, it, it connects in my head to the to the anti-fragility that we discussed before because these are such uh, strong you know valuable traits in your character and to have a a school teach that you know it's it's not something you can necessarily measure it's not something you would necessarily you know, put on your front page and it's um now that you say it you know i did learn that or at least uh, significantly improve that in INSEAD I like it. I'm going to borrow that one as well. I'm taking a lot of things. <laughs> you, you owe me a lot of loyalties here. <laughs> um, but actually, this is, this is coming from recruiters. Um, and the reason why they, they come to us, this is what they say. And the recruiter, recruiters um, know the, sort, the type of talent they can find in each school and what they're looking for. Yeah. And is there a lot of feedback back and forth between the school and the recruiters themselves? Would they tell you like, oh, I don't know what you've done, but this year is better than the other or a bit weaker than the other or stuff like that? Or 
A lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. Because um, we have um, the Career Development Center team. Mm-hmm. Um, they are divided into two main um, functions. Um, the employer engagement team and the coaches, the professional coach. Uh, so the, the, the coach will work with the current students on, on professional coaching, so um, uh, self-awareness, communication skills, um, um, how do you come across as a leader and as a manager? So this is for the, the coaching part. And we also have the employer engagement team. And that team is in direct contact with the, um, the industry, industries in general, because they have industry experts um, and, um, and they will be having conversations with companies and, um, and their CIOs or um, recruiters. And they will have conversation that is going both ways in the sense that they will um, try to understand this, the type of skills that is needed for the industry. Um, and um, they will also feed that back to us in admissions uh, for us to be able to, why not, um, find additional source of talent um, in other industries, um, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. Are there, just to follow up, are there um, specific industries or unique industries where you sense that INSEAD has a particularly strong relationship? Or is there a specific industry that many um, INSEAD grads aim for or end up in? So INSEAD is very well known for its relationship with um, the MBBs, so um, the the consulting, the strategy um, consulting firms. Um, Coming back to mastering intensity, it's very likely to be be thanks to that. So um, those companies are asking their their consultant to work long, long hours, to adapt to different um, company cultures very quickly, very easily. So obviously, obviously this is a good way of, um, of making sure that the people they will recruit, who they know they have attended INSEAD and probably gone through this, this type of, um, of situations and adaptability. So this is, this is um, consulting is um, very often, um, kind of um, attracting and attractive. So it's it's going both ways. So our students like to do a few years of consulting post-MBA um, because that enables them to keep this, this um, learning um, experience and be, be in, a, in different environments and learn from those different um, projects that they will be um, on. And it's also um, attracting in in the sense that it's it's um, for companies for those companies a good way of um, bringing talent ready talent um, so the readiness of our MBA is for is for them very interesting so I think it's going both ways. With that said, um, it's less than the rest of the industries like. Um, so if you if you group together technology um, and all the now online um, uh, retail, um, the Uber and Amazon of this world, um, the uh, Alibaba, all this are um, coming to to INSEAD, um, Google obviously. So TMT is very, very visible as well. Very, very visible. Um, and with that said, the finance sector, who can have up and down, um, with the large class that we graduate, we actually have a very large, a larger proportion of our graduates who go to finance um, than um, some of the schools that are 
um, have the reputation to be more known in finance, but in fact, in the reality, when you don't look at the percentile, but that the, 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 the pure numbers replace more people in finance, or we have more people going to finance post um, INSEAD. The situation is likely to change with the COVID-19, see what the financial institutions have to say um, post this. Uh, but um, startup um, um, are also um, a big sector um, post INSEAD. So we'll see if the, the, the job market will change um, after um, this, this, uh, this crisis that we live in. Hopefully, if it when it changes, hopefully it's for the best, rather than Absolutely. for the worst. Um, okay, so uh, INSEAD is one of the only schools that accept candidates without a bachelor's degree, and I am an example of such a, a candidate. And I recall that in the first conversation that you and I had, you said, "You know, we took a bet on you, and we actually." <laughs> Uh, tested you like without you seeing throughout the semester and we're happy that things worked out so why is that the case why has NCAD decided to give this phenomenal opportunity to people who who didn't do their bachelor's degree who don't have an undergrad um because we believe in people, we believe in, in, um, in what people can bring, regardless of um, their previous education. Um, the personality of our students and the alumni is, is very important. Um, and I think this is, this is the, the reason why we have one of our admissions criteria is your ability to contribute and as somebody who have very interesting experience, life experience, or professional experience to share, you probably bring as much value as somebody who has um, academic achievements. So why not having, it's also in, in terms of diversity. So we want, we want to have different perspective, people who have gone through formal um, education and people who will have less of a formal education um, and um, life, experience is, is teaching you a lot um, and sometimes more than <laughs> in class experience so um, for this, this reason we India just has always been giving chances to people who had no degree no undergrad degree and for such a candidate such a candidate uh, intends to uh, to apply or uh, to get admitted into INSEAD what would you look extra and so naturally this candidate hopefully she or he have a good story but other than the story and the potential contribution what would you zoom in on to make sure that this candidate is let's say qualified so we still need to um, get an understand understanding of the academic capacity um because it's it, it there is still some exams and some are, as you might remember, heavily quant related topics. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we still need to to make sure that we, um, people can um, be successful academically on the program and benefit from it. Um, and for this reason, we we require the GMAT or the GRE. At the moment, uh, GMAT, um, GMAT and the ETS are developing the test at home. Um, so ETS has just announced that they, people can take the test at home um, for the GRE. GMAT is, is also developing the, um, the same uh, type of functionality. So we sh people should be able to, to take the test pretty soon um, everywhere in the world. Um, and so together with the, the, the GMAT and some other experiences in the professional context like that would reassure us on the analytical skills um, and on the um, uh, critical thinking, for example, 
uh, we so through those examples um, and experiences we will be able to to get that understanding and mitigate for lack of uh, of underground degree understood so just as an example if someone um, not to say anything bad about anyone but if someone surfed for uh, 12 years maybe it doesn't carry the same weight as if someone ran a a startup that deals with uh, data science or with you know data mining in terms of their ability to uh, yeah to deal with anal analytics and analytical uh, and content and information so we will need both in the classroom right but for the surf um, activity it will need to be not as, as leisure it will need to be something that taught that person um, resilience, competition, um, humbleness, um, because humility, when you, when you compete and you, you're not always successful, you learn a lot from that as well. So if it's when it taught that person, then we are happy to have this person as well in the class. And for the data science scientist, if it's just dealing with data and not with human uh, real human beings right it's likely to be not in the profile as well so because we want we want this the ability to interact and remember the well-rounded personality so we'll need both but both will need to to be able to show that they're they're complete because we take a holistic approach to the applicants we don't just say, oh, this is interesting, then let's admit that that person. We really take this complete approach. Right. I think you, you told me in one of the conversations, you said, actually, our admission committee is looking for reasons to actually admit people rather than to dis disqualify them or to make sure Correct. they don't go in. That's, Correct. That's, it's great. I think it's a great philosophy in itself. It's um, such a positive way to look at, you know, at life. Mm -hmm. uh, the guy I interviewed for the podcast episode just before you, his name is uh, Nathan uh, Levy. He's a French-born Israeli who lives in Las Vegas and is a competitive, he's a professional um, martial artist. So he competes in, you know, in MMA. And um, so far, only wins, no losses. But... Um, you know, you can really see the life philosophy and the life lessons in him. Mm -hmm. And just to have a competitive athlete next to you, I learned so much just from speaking with him. I was like, everything he says is through, you know, he, he, he did it repeatedly year after year after year for 15 mm -hmm. years. It's embedded in him. He's like molding this or, you know, grinding this rock. And the rock is is him. It's his personality and character. Mm. So that was a long uh, way to say that I can definitely relate to what you mentioned about the surfer and the competitiveness and the humbleness. Mm. Um, I have just a few other questions. I know we've been uh, we've been at it for quite some time. I don't know how much time you have, but uh, uh, for as long as you can entertain me, sure. I'd be happy. Um, so I think last, last we spoke, we kind of discussed, you know, the education landscape and how it was changing kind of in front of us. Um, maybe some of the things that we mentioned are no longer relevant because of what's going on in the world. But one thing you did mention is you know, people are so cautious of their time, right? They're thinking, especially when the, the work market is good, they're kind of afraid to, to fully invest themselves into one or definitely two years of, you know, lost opportunity or just to, to get off the job market. What would you say to those people if you, you know, if you were standing in front of them you know, here is why I believe you should do it or not do it. 
I think it's um, coming to why doing an MBA. It's likely to not be just for one year, for the one year experience or the two year experience. Um, when you do an MBA, it's likely to be for the network, for the family you will belong to, if I may use the word family. Absolutely. Uh, it's, um, it's a lifelong um, experience. And the, the effect of a one-year MBA is supposed to last for your entire career. And why not for your entire personal life as well? Because some of the students will meet their partner during the program or um, they will um, meet uh, lifelong friends. So this is, this is also part of the experience. So now when is the right moment? Because some people may be afraid of losing their job or quitting their job. It's also, um, so that's a personal decision. That's not my decision. And this is also why we have this diversity in terms of age. So from people who will be 23, 24, and to up to people who will, who will be more in their late 30s. Um, because that the, when is the right moment can depend from one person to another. Um, as a woman, I know that also um, we have some biological clocks um, and uh, we have to either do an MBA before starting a family um, or after and, um, and we are perfectly flexible with that and we understand that. We also had um, several students who started the program in one class and gave birth so they were pregnant, gave birth during the program and continued with the next class. Um, so we have adapted the program in different ways for, for um, people who found themselves in general. So I'm giving an example of a um, pregnant woman, but um, we've um, seen ex experiences like this with other type of cases. So what I'm saying to you, it's a long answer to, to your question, but I think it's, it's really when it's the right moment for for people to do their MBA, knowing that we, the way we've created the program is is for uh, mid career, um, early to mid career professionals, uh, so people who have no work experience at all um, will not be able to contribute to the program as much um, than the way we have created it, and also for the recruiters coming. They know people at INSEAD will have on average five years of work experience. Um, and then if the person is too experienced, then that's more for the EMBA. So, but apart from that, there are about 10 years where um, people can decide when it's the right moment. I think that was a perfectly good answer for my question. Not too long and not too short. <laughs> um, okay. Two last questions before we kind of wrap up. Um, one, you know, pra pragmatically speaking, um, you know, we're looking at some of the data, at least so far, and there's been a, a decreasing trend, trend in most schools, not all of them, in uh, graduate management applications, um, definitely in the U.S., but maybe in other schools as well. Maybe this is supported by, you know, large tech moguls who are saying, you know, we'll accept you without an MBA or an undergrad or even if you didn't finish high school kind of a thing. Um, so why, so like, how would you answer that? And, you know, how would you answer big companies that write down schools altogether on the negative or on the positive, you know, why is a degree still relevant and important today? I think the, the degree itself, the name of the degree is, is not so important. The content of it is very, very important. So um, what you learn um, 
in a classroom and on campus is very, very valuable. Yes, you can learn it through life experiences, but likely to be taking you eight or 10 years where for um, in an MBA or a master degree in general, it's very likely to be on the year, <laughs> condensed on the year. Um, and, and yes, you're likely to, to learn similar things, maybe. Um, um, but it's going to be definitely on a more condensed way. I think also um, in general, graduate management education um, is still very relevant in this world where um, countries may be closing their borders and we need to understand each other. Um, we are stronger together and I think in, in, um, in, in those type of degrees where you, you learn um, through different lengths, through different ways of, of looking at the world um, or considering this is my challenge today, um, but if I look outside, maybe this person next to me is having an even harder time. And that enables you to put things into perspective and being exposed to different experiences. So I think um, graduate management education is even more relevant um, today than it was before. Great. Um, one last question, and this is a, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's a, a good answer, if there's an answer at all, um, but it, it, from what you see and what you kind of experienced, um, is there a correlation between, you know, an economic situation and people taking MBAs? So historically speaking, you know, is has management education seen an increase or decrease in bad times or good times? Mm. MBA, the MBA industry in general is counter-cycle. Um, huh. So we see people deciding to do an MBA when the job market is flat or, um, or decreasing. People prefer to be in the classroom and think, okay, let's wait a few months um, and, and wait for the economy to go, to be back, to go back. This current situation, um, crisis situation is likely to be a little different. Um, we'll see. Um, because um, with the... With the social distancing, um, it might not be the same type of reactions um, that we'll observe. It's yet to be to be seen. It's yet to be observed. Um, I can't say for now, but in general, schools are um, are counter cycle. So we receive more applications when the economy is down. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, to wrap up, I would like to play a game with you that we play with all of our guests. And the game is called Only Three Words. And the way it is played is that I ask you a question and then you say nothing. You think about the answer. And when you decide to answer, you can only answer in three words. <laughs> so, so for three example, <laughs> only three words. There we go. So, for example, if I would ask you, Virginie, what are your three favorite colors? You would think. And then you would say. Blue. Like. Oh, I thought you would say uh, blue, uh, <laughs> red, and white, for example. Red. Yeah, blue. Green um, and black. Okay, so that was a test. That was uh, it, took, it, it. That was warm up. <laughs> and now for the real thing. So in only uh, drums. Drums. 
<laughs> so in only three words, what are the fundaments, the fundamentals of your character? <laughs> um, observing, introvert, optimist. I, I saw that one coming from a mile. <laughs> Do you care to elaborate on one of them or all three of them? Just to explain. Um, the, the introvert is an interesting one because um, like most of, of you um, listening to this podcast or you, um, we, we do a lot of um, self-assessment tests and, and um, trying to better ourselves or better understand ourselves. And um, as an introvert, um, I, obviously, I tend to not be willing to speak in front of a big crowd. Hmm. Yet, one thing that I like to do to um, keep challenging myself or, um, or going out of my, stepping out of my comfort zone is to speak in front of people. So, <laughs> and doing this podcast, for example, today. Very so good. this is, um, this is the, the aspect of it that I find really interesting is to, to step out of my comfort zone, pushing my introvert nature. Very good. And we're very appreciative of you pushing your, uh, your introvert <laughs> nature. <laughs> Okay, and so with that, uh, Virginia, I would like to thank you very, very much for spending time with us today. Thank you. I hope it was useful. Um, very useful. If you have uh, any message, another message for our uh, listeners, we would be happy to to hear. Another, another message could be um, that we should do another podcast one day. Oh, there we go. <laughs> After this whole... <laughs> this whole situation and we'll reflect back on what we've just said maybe that will just be completely wrong <laughs> yeah i'd be happy to do that that's actually an interesting thought i think uh, it'll be definitely be educational mm. so with that thank you very very much thank you stay safe stay safe stay home stay safe there we go <laughs> 